It's a crime. <laughs> this following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is under siege to dark territory. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I'm your gracious host. Alongside me, virtually, the Illuminati, the Flores, the sweet and gentle carob chocolate encrusted winter wonderland that is Justin Waddell. Justin, how's it going? You know, it's going, man. I mean, it's 2021, and I was kind of rolling through it, you know, trying to get through January to Feb, and... um you know, just get just get into it. How about you? What what's going on with yourself? I'm fine, sir. Doing good. Yeah, yeah I'm fine. You've been on the road. Nah, uh, yeah. Tell me about it, man. I won't be this coming week though, which is a nice thing. You'll be home, huh? But but after that, I got two weeks of nonstop shit bag. Yeah, tell me some of the highlights. Where are you where are you headed? I have two vacancies in my in my region that I have to fill. One in Ohio slash Indiana slash Kentucky, mm-hmm. and then one in mid South Florida. Oh wow! So until I replace those folks, right? I got to run that turf. Are you going to go to Kentucky? What part? Lexington? I'll be in Columbus. I'll be in Cleveland. I'll be in Indianapolis. I'll be in uh, Lexington. I'll be in, what is my favorite, Louisville? Louisville. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. I had a tragic situation last time I was in Louisville. What happened? So I collect bourbon and I was flying and I was getting my handful of hard to find stuff when I was out there. I got my, my customary four bottles of things. I bought a piece of luggage to accommodate them. Yeah. Wrapped them up all nice. Got the specialty. The end containers the end everything's fine everything's fine the two most expensive and rare ones come down that conveyor belt sloshing around smells like burb (laughs) two bottles i didn't want to talk about how much those cost did you tip the uh luggage up into your maw and get a little of that i looked out on the tarmac get some luggage trips and the two barbarian brothers were out there working the luggage so Well, in Lexington, I, I don't know if you ever, uh, if you have time when you're there, but you might want to visit the Rupp Arena. What the fuck's that? The R-U-P-P, the Rupp Arena. It's like What's a landmark that? that I know in Lexington. Is it? Uh, I stayed next to it on a business trip. What is the Rupp Arena? I believe that they have, probably have concerts. When I was there, there were a lot of wrestlers staying at my hotel. Okay, Rupp Space Arena. What do you mean? Rupp is a word and arena is a word. Oh, you thought I was saying one word, Rupp Arena. Yeah, I thought it was a Rupp Arena, and I was like, is that a dance? Is that is that like, you know, and you do the Rupp Arena, or is it like a a, a monument to some fallen general? But no, it's- It is cool. not, it's not a dance, but maybe it's a dance now. You know, like maybe we can 
Do we have a dance associated with our podcast? Do most podcasts? Most do. And I think when we do Dante's Peak, we'll do the Erup Arena. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. A little hot foot. We'll be hot footing it. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to name. I'm going to see if you can go six down on the cast of Dante's Peak. I, I, I Pierce Brosnan's all I know. Linda Hamilton? Oh, yeah. Did they let Linda Hamilton into that mess? I That seems like something where Charles Dutton would be invited. Sam Jackson? I'm trying to remember. I mean, the fact that you remember Linda Hamilton is an astonishment. Breckin Meyer? Just, just for the sake of all that is holy. Dante's over prayer hands. See in there. Getting all the prerequisites out of the way now. All right, that's a Bob Donaldson movie. I love me some. You know, we've always if I got anybody else besides. I'll be fucked. Yeah, you got it. She is in it, and you got Grant Heslov in it. <laughs> is he in there without Clooney? Yeah, and honestly. That's it, man. Why did I think I, I imagined a, a young, a youthful Sam Jackson against a volcano? I don't know why I put him in there. That is actually the one of the worst casts I've ever heard of. There's nobody else you can even underline? Nope. Come on. I don't know Jamie Renee Smith, and I don't know Jeremy Foley. Who voiced the vol- volcano? <laughs> Charles Hallahan looks familiar. Is he the guy from The Thing That Gets His Chest Investigated? It is. So that's he's super dead. He's R.I.P. Mm-hmm. I can name two people from from uh, Volcano though, so that's that's actually a- Tommy Lee Jones and uh, what's her uh, what's her cutie Sam uh, Susie Amos. No, no, in and out of sexuality. Um, what's her name? Um, Anne Hache. Anne Hache. Oh, Anne Hache. Why? Why do I think it's, I'm I'm off tonight? I said Susie Amos. Um, G- Gabby Hoffman, Don Cheadle, Keith David, John Corbett, Mike Raspoli, John Carroll Lynch. I watched. That scene where John Carroll Lynch dies, actually, at a cigar shop last week. Wait a minute. Susie Amos, was she in Blown Away? Is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah, which is, there's oh my very few volcanoes in that movie. I put the explosion, I, I'm, I hooked her to another explosive type movie. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what's sad. We have mm-hmm. talked more about Susie Amos on this show than, than Orson Welles. It's fine, but that means we have to do a Susie Amos film. Is she, is she in Arlington Road? No, she's not. Damn it. That's a different explosion. Arlington Road. What can we do with Susie? I've Amy? been told. <laughs> well, gin blossoms for you. <laughs> I would never know that. Thank you. Susie Amos, single, right? Single now? Has she's, to be. She's still mixing it up in the hay with James Cameron. Are you fucking kidding? They're still squeaking. I wonder if she's dodging. Is she dodging COVID? I'm going to type into Google, is Susie Amos dodging COVID? (laughs) (laughs) Um, By the way, to her credit, changed her name. Susie Amos Cameron, for reals. Is uh, is it hyphened? No, no hyphen. Do you think she went down in a sub with him? Do you think she ever traversed the waters or no? Yeah, she blew him for sure. She's had to have blown him. (laughs) Not what you're asking me? (laughs) Shit. I'm just saying, does she ever, do you think she went down to the Titanic with him? I I would bet he has a shirt that he wears around the house that says, Mm -hmm. submersibles are a boys club. (laughs) Kind of the uh, gentle nudge not to ask, you know? Susie Amos, stay, stay topside. She, uh, they got, he had divorce papers ready to go for her to sign. Did you hear this? No. 
then she cut her hair short and he was like, all right, we're good. <laughs> she went to the octave doctor and got a little deeper baritone. So he's thrilled. <laughs> I'm just saying that he likes the short, the short haired ladies, the short haired. Oh. It seems like he does. Now he, he's been through many, I think he's been married multiple times, correct? Right. Gail Ann Heard, <laughs> Catherine Bigelow. I don't know if they got married. Oh, they weren't married. I don't know. Maybe did he do? Was he with uh, with Linda Hamilton too? Probably. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But Gail Ann Heard rocks. Yeah. Catherine so Bigelow rocks. Right. So, and in her own special way, Susie Amos rocks. Is yeah. she still doing it? She's please tell me she's still out there doing it. The last thing she was listed on before I clicked away was uh, one of the documentaries that Cameron does about some dumb underwater shit. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. This was in the mid-2000s, I think. She's got work to do, man. She's putting her her memoirs together. Well, she she was up and coming, and then she got derailed by James Cameron. Her book's called Something's Amiss. (laughs) Pretty good. Susie. She went with it. Susie. S-U-Z-Y. That's a cool name. I like it. Yeah. All right. Well, glad we spoke about it. Me too. Cameron, he's kind of racing against the end of the world to get either an Avatar movie out or just society fading. It's a close race. He's simultaneously working on like five new Avatar films. He had to give, uh, what's that guy that's in them? Sam Worthington? Uh-uh. I mean, always in them, but. You're talking about our boy? You know. Yeah. Joel. Uh, yep. David Moore. <laughs> Joel, Joel David Moore. Do you think he. Pinched himself. Yeah. When Cameron said, um, Hey, I need you to be back for five of these. He's like, You want me to bring the Joel David Moore uh, magic back to uh little avatar? No, he actually he was like, Do you want me to do catering? I mean, what else do I need to do to ensure <clears throat> this? JDM. Tall drink of water. About as exciting. <laughs> anyway, so he's back. I think uh <clears throat> one of your favorites is back, Giovanni Rabisi. Of course, Sigorn. Gorn's in there. Kate Winslet's in Kate there. Winslet has, has arrived. She has wings in it of some sort. Um, and of course, uh, our uh, boy, Steve. Uh, what's our bat? The villain? Great actor. Oh, from Manhunter? Yeah. yeah. He got killed, but he's back, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, I can't remember his name. He's got one of the best names. Don't It's Don't Breathe. He's in it. I know. Don't Breathe's in it. Isn't it, is it Steve? Uh, Steve. I can't believe um, I don't remember a great name. I'm going to cheat. But, and then what's her face from Zoe Saldana? Stephen Lang. Stephen yeah. Lang. Yeah. Steve. <laughs> we're tight, he and I. Can't wait. One of these one of these days we're gonna do those Avatar movies on the show. We'll do them back to back to back to back to back to back to back. Yeah, why not? Have a yeah. little Yeah, people have been waiting, man. I bet it's gonna be I, that's gonna be worth watching those. Probably the first time a movie has uh, a series has been greenlit without asking if anybody wants it. You and I saw that movie together, a screening of it, and we we were uh, we were pretty high on it after we watched it. I out. continue to love that movie. I love it. I have and, uh, no hate for it. I remember you and I, we came out and said that we both liked it, and then all the people around us, they said they didn't like it. I don't it's, know why you wouldn't. It's Fern Gully, man. <sighs> I'm just saying, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a pleasure to watch. Age well, too. Like, the effects have held up. It's done yeah. well, yeah. James Cameron don't fuck around. No, he don't. I mean, we saw Battle Angel. No? Oh. <sighs> All right. So, I mean, hey, we'll get there, guys. You got to hold tight. In the meantime, you're going to have to settle for the stuff that we've chosen. We'll get to the Avatar films, but we don't want to do just one. We want to wait until 2068 when all five are out. You know what I'm saying? I bet Cameron didn't see COVID coming. I'll be 96. 
I'm just saying that he was working. He was full blast on those things. I wonder where he's at. Did they postpone him? Like, when are they supposed to come out? Check out the games on Joey Saldana. <laughs> I hope my voice is like that. Zoe Saldana. Lover. I, guys, I don't want to spoil this for you. I will not make it to 96. So just don't get your hopes up there. It's a little dour note on the old microscope. What's the microscope, you ask? Have you, have you gotten your... <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's a show where we zoom in. Mm-hmm. We get under a lion and watch a movie. And when it's warm enough, we we retreat into the wild and do somersaulting cascades between each other until we decide what makes or breaks from the film that we experienced. And then we wait for that lion to come finish it, finish the job. So if we were talking about an unfinished life, we wouldn't talk about the scene where Robert Redford and Jennifer Lopez form Wet Voltron. <laughs> talk about the little moments when what is unfinished life i don't remember it oh it was some like oscar bait movie that came out a while back i think like freeman's in it it's directed by somebody prestigious recently no this is probably five six seven eight years ago Maybe even longer. Well, I mean, it's got to be because Redford's been, he drank the wrong grail like five years ago. So, I mean, I don't even know what he looks like. He still cuts the handsome, handsome figure, don't you think? I'd like to look like that when I got older. I love Robert Redford. I love, I I don't want him to ever retire, but Mm -hmm. he looks like uh, Frank quietly drew him. What does that mean? Frank quietly? Is that an author? uh, A comic artist. Everything's got all these extra nodules and wrinkles and spaces. And yeah. Who's ever done? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but he's a uh, he's um, uh, you know the creator of the Sundance Film Festival. <laughs> <laughs> That's a telephoto zoom. He is a wonder. That uh, I try I try to get like a weekly sc- Saturday morning show showing of uh, all is lost with my kids. We just <laughs> cue that up every Saturday morning. Get get the uplift going. Did he? I didn't see it. He doesn't make it. He does he, not. No, the water, the water consumes him at the end. Yeah. The water wins. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that. Uh, the, the movie like that would adrift. Yeah. I can't imagine she gets taken out too, though. In that. No, that's the woman from, uh, Shalene Woodley or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's got another actor who's hating life throughout that movie. <clears throat> yeah. He's a good actor. Actually. I don't remember his name. I would have, I would have, when I was younger, I would have remembered it like Is this. It, is it the guy from Fifty Shades? No. Jamie Dornan in this? No. Is it Luke he Brayton? was. Um, he actually was in a couple movies recently. Matthew Good. I think he was in Hunger Games. Uh, I, I knew you were talking about. He's got that cool name. He's got then he was in that. Sam, Sam Claflin. Yes, he was a bad guy in this New Zealand. This movie from New Zealand by the woman that did Babadook. Yeah, it was really hard to watch. Good movie. I think it was it Australian. Australian and. Um, I can't, he was so awful in that film. He was great. I mean, but he was such a horrible person. Yeah. Did you watch that Hunter Hunter yet? I didn't. It's, an, it's another uplift. You liked it though, right? I did. I did like it. I, I mean, like in I liked it in the same way that I like another sad, destructive, depressing movie. Return the return of Nick Stahl, who I really like. We t- I've talked about him recently. That is not the important return that's in that movie. You're talking about final yeah, visit. Devin mm-hmm. Sawa in that. Yeah, but Devin Sawa's worked more than lately than Nick Stahl. I don't think so. I don't. Yeah, think. yeah. He's he wasn't even on TV. He was like on that La Femme Nikita show. I think. I think if I think the listeners would probably back me up here. I think Nick Stahl has maintained more relevance. 
No, Nick Stahl was like he was he was having a tough time there with drug addiction. So he he'd been he'd been gone for a while. I always thought he was such a good actor though. Yeah, but Saul was no slouch, man. He's pretty good too. He's solid. He's he had a drug problem too, from what I remember. Did he? Idle Hands is he in that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been postponing the the real meat though, the elephant in the room. I'm talking about Steven Seagal. <laughs> so guys, uh, we did the first one. We didn't want to leave you hanging. We didn't want you to have to wait a year and stay hidden in blankets and foam to protect yourself. We got you. Speaking of Devin Sawa and Final Destination, that's what he was doing, remember? What? Trying to protect himself against yeah. all injury. Anyway, so 1995, this was released, Nick, uh, a mere four years after the first one, I think. What, what happened in 1995 for you? We've used this year recently. It's the year the Braves won the World Series. Yeah, and I graduated from college. I was already, I think I was, yeah, I was in the corporate world by then. I was bright eyes, bushy, bushy tailed. Yeah. And bright, bright eyed. And uh, I remember thinking, man, I got the whole future ahead of me. And then I saw dark territory. It was all downhill. You didn't there. see that in the theater, did you? Did I? I think I might have. Did you? Of course I did. Super jazz to be there. I think I might have seen this in the theater. I know I saw it certainly on home video where it probably made a little bit more of an impact. Is this your favorite film with Grazer 1 in it? <laughs> Great. Get it right. Grazer dash 1. Okay. Yeah. Don't forget the hyphen. So uh, what is the premise of Under Siege 2 Dark Territory? Well, Steven Seagal boards a train. How are you spelling board? <laughs> anyway. Casey Ryback's back, Nick, and he's a cook. I he has to a restaurant. Say Casey Ryback, <laughs> and uh, he's his brother dies unfortunately, and he, you know, he has to go pick up his niece for the funeral uh, yeah. via train, of course. Yeah, as you, know. you do, yeah, of course. And um, unfortunately, a terrorist attack breaks out on this train, uh, and uh, he has to then resort to his training to take care of business. Casey Ryback, yep, to protect the world and his niece. Yep. In that order? No. no. So let's talk about the cast here. We got, of course, Steven Seagal. He's back. We got Morris Chestnut. We got Eric Bogosian. We got Everett McGill. We got Peter Green. We got Jonathan Banks. We got Kurt Wood Smith in this. You got Andy North. You got Brenda Back. You got Catherine Heigl. Yeah, Catherine Heigl, this is when she was very young. I'd say she probably was in her, well, I don't know how old she was, but 16, something like that. Yeah. She was young. 15, she's playing a kiddo in this. Sort of. Sort yeah. of. I mean, they, they 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 play a little bit of that. They play a little of the sex appeal with her, too, though. Unfortunately, but yeah, Everett McGill gets creepy with her at one point. But that's it, right? Morse Chestnut kind of plays Seagal's like, second kind of a sidekick in this, and he's actually pretty funny in this. Like, he's... Mm-hmm. He's actually alive during this film. Where I don't, I don't. Did anybody did, do a pulse did you check mention, on Seagal? No. Did you mention Nick Mancuso or Dale Die? I didn't mention those two. Those are holdovers from the first one. Was Dale Die in the first one? Yeah, he was. Oh, he was. Wow. It's great. Mm-hmm. They redid his hair for this. His hair looks immaculate in this. Beautiful hair. Did he dye his hair? I don't know. Super white. Got Steve Martin colors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like a Betty Davis eyes kind of song. Yeah. Dale Dye's still killing it, right? Still out here? Yeah, he's still working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was a he's a guy that was like he did the like he'd always do the behind the scenes or the he was a military training, right? Yeah, he was take a, people yeah. to camps. And he wrote the book Platoon. Oh, did he? Yeah. And he also but he would he takes their actors, puts them through boot camp. That's one of his big things, right? Right. And then we gotta we gotta get this charisma machine on screen. Exactly. This director saying they, and so he's got a little bit of an acting career as well. I think, I think uh, he, he, he did the call for this movie, he did the boot camp, and uh, Seagal picked up the phone, and Dale's like, uh, We report next Monday. And Seagal's like, No thanks. I got, <laughs> I got this. I don't think Seagal went to boot camp. 
No. I don't think he went to a, a cooking class. <laughs> yeah. I think he did maybe visit a series of restaurants before he <laughs> signed aboard for this, um, before they rolled film. Written by Richard Hatem and Matt Reeves in this. That Matt Reeves. I know. Yeah. that the, the Batman Matt Reeves. Yeah. War of the Planet of the Apes Matt Reeves. That's the War man. The yeah. And one of those Cloverfields or something. He did. He did do Cloverfield. They co-wrote it. And uh, hate him, had him, however you say it. He, what did he write? He wrote something we did recently. For reals? Yeah. Oh, Mothman Prophecies. That's right. Uh, Not too shabby. I think he wrote the Matrix films. What do you mean? Oh, that's, never mind. It's Dix. Hate him. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what the? Um, <laughs> who's our villain in this? I'm not so sure. I know it's it's uh, it's certainly Eric Bogosian playing Travis Dane or Taylor, is it Taylor Dane? No, it's Travis Dane. <laughs> Don't rush him. And uh, Ever McGill, kind of the second command baddie, and then maybe the guy at the command center at the beginning that zooms in via satellite on onto the nude beach. He might be the third <laughs> underrated bad guy. In this. Yeah, yeah. They show some boobs very early in this film, setting a tone of magic. Yeah, there's this amazing satellite they have, and this guy they, this guy tests it. And everybody tells him not to, but he keeps zooming in on a, a woman who's doing a little nude beach bathing Yep. on her, on her front. And then she turns over yeah. and there's a pixelated, then not pixelated view of boobs yep. very yep. quickly. And it's, it's just kind of frowned upon. He does not get in trouble. <laughs> Meanwhile, you that know? lady, no idea what was going on. You know, poor lady. She's just out there. Yeah. She didn't know that I in the sky was perving on her. You know, it's a shame, but mm -hmm. we, we meet our crew and they've been, everybody's real happy that they've built this satellite called the Grazer one that does this cool thing with weird sounds and electric and shit. And, powerful. and, uh, they, they do a, a test. Everything seems to be going great, but two of the people that work on the project have a illicit affair going on. They and, do. And, and they, they like they're on that damn train. They like to have sex on a train, uh, surprisingly. And so the thing is, that, but the little background on the satellite was a masterminded, but it was created by a character played by Eric Bogosian later named Travis Dane, who has killed himself, everybody thinks. He, didn't, he drove his car into a lake mm -hmm. and left a suicide note that says, chance favors the prepared mind. Mm -hmm. They never found the body. Not <laughs> finding the body is a big part of this movie. Mm -hmm. Not 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 seeing the body. It's a it's a running theme. Let's back it up. Suicide note. Chance favors the prepared mind. What do you think? Who wrote it? You know, it's What's a, a quote from. It's from something real. Louis Pasteur. He was known for curing milk and shit. Mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely he solved milk. <clears throat> and so, do you think he was talking about? I don't know. Chance favors the prepared mind. Do you think it was a little nod to uh, Hard Target? Ooh. What do you think? I would. I'd like to think so. Do you find that chance favors the prepared mind, Nick? I don't think so. I think the prepared mind creates their own luck, whereas chance gets you unprepared. You catch chance unprepared. Mm -hmm. So Louis yeah. Pasteur, uh, great with milk, bad with words. I think that Seagal would say chance, his character, Casey Ryback, would say chance flavors the prepared mind. Nice. Because he's a little bit of a, he's a little bit of a, um, uh, I don't know, whiz kid. Yeah. A wonder kid. Wonderkind. Wunderkind. In the kitchen. In the kitchen, right? Anyway, so then after all this setup. While your mind is preparing, he is kicking that mind. 
He is, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so this is all set up without Seagal, the star of the film. But we get a hero's introduction after this, okay? And he gets out of a car. There's a car that comes. There's a hero music buildup. Seagal gets out of the car. The camera holds on him, and he gives the audience nothing. <laughs> it is the absolute best. <laughs> there's all this fanfare. Like, hey, guys, yeah, Casey Ryback's back. Everything. Like, the, the music is incredible. And this this swooping shot, and he just stands there. Yep. I would hate to play poker with Steven Seagal. <laughs> that is my that's maybe my fa- one of my favorite fo- moments in this film. <laughs> and so who great. and he's with a guy that looks like a big Brendan Gleason's got some big ears. Mm-hmm. This guy looks like a big eared Brendan Gleason. His name his last name's Applegate. He was in, I think that actor, he was his, his sous chef or some maybe or some other kind of cook at his restaurant. And it's this guy was in a lot of stuff. He actually passed away from house fire. I looked him up, but you recognize him. Like he's like, you'd, if you look at his career, he's in a ton of stuff. Yeah, but I know he, what you're talking about. But he has some big ass now burnt ears, apparently. Why? He said he died oh, in a house fire. Did, yeah. So, anyway, I thought you said because we were talking about him, maybe in the afterlife, his ears are burning, but you went grosser and sicker. <laughs> See how you are. I went, I went from not knowing he died in a house fire to making fun of him dying in a house fire <laughs> instantly. instantly. Yeah. yeah. So he, anyway, he would have liked that. He uh, anyway, so if he wasn't incinerated. Jesus. And uh, uh, Casey, the, the best thing is, so they, they, you know, Casey's got this restaurant and, you know, Casey, like uh, Seagal is giving you absolutely nothing. Like he, he's walking through the restaurant and they have these, uh, you know, the director is like has voiceover of people in the kitchen going, everybody excited to see him. Casey, Casey. And um, the Patriots come here for you, you know? Mm hmm. Hey, Casey, like everybody, it's just like this constant, like you have to be told that he's a beloved figure, right? Because <laughs> there's no way you're going to believe it, you know, right. just but with the vibe he's putting off. I mean, he's he's in this movie. He is bringing some insane dad energy. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? There's a there's a dad vibe here. Don't you think it's a dad bod for sure. <laughs> Directed so by been... Jeff Murphy. Yes. Of Young Guns 2, Quiet mm-hmm. Earth, I think Free Jack fame. Also, R.I.P. Unfortunately, how did he die? I don't know. Uh, how am I going to make fun of that? <laughs> I think you told me he died. Uh, am I, I wrong? Is he still out there? I, I think he died like super recently. Let me look. Mm-hmm. I sent an arsonist to his house. Let's see if he got there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Steven Seagal, master of the whisper acting. Jeff Murphy uh, died at uh, twenty eighteen. Let me make sure it was of natural causes just to be safe. He just died. They don't even care. They don't even care that he, how it happened. So, um, but you know, Seagal's he, that's what he does here. He whispers like that's his method. He's got the whisper voice. What do you think of that? Love it. You like, do you love his voice? Seagal? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of a sing song, like whisper quality to it. When he does, he does a cute voice from time to time. Mm -hmm. He does it in this movie and I love it. Yeah, he never. At one point, a character asks him, or he says to a character, uh, Morse Chestnut, actually, he says, Son, don't like, make me raise my voice. And I said, That'd be impossible. Has Steven, Steven Seagal ever raised his voice? Mm-mm. I wonder if you watched all his movies, if he ever yells. He doesn't do anything involving lifting. Mm-mm. But there's a scene later on in the movie where a guy comes down on a rappel and he goes, Hello. And it's <laughs> adorable. <laughs> on a rappel. Is that, the, is that not is that not the. Right, repels down, maybe. Yeah, he repels down, but yeah. you're just giving it. You're calling it a repel. Yeah, he repels himself down. 
He does. They they manage to have a cliffhanging scene in this, board, uh, and it's a, uh, a movie set mainly on a train. Right. So anyway, he talked about that sexy couple played by Brenda Back, and I don't know the other actor's name. I've seen him before, but I don't care about him. But they set it up like she is going to betray this guy. I was like, this she's an evil. Woman. She's evil. Mm-hmm. She's going to. Uh, she's going to. Yeah, she looks like she's her hoots, right? Well, I thought she was going to be this trap, you know, uh, Eric Bogosian's girl. She, they, it's not, they just have an affair on the train. She says she has an org, had an orgasm as a joke, but like, you know, as a, as a laugh line in the film and then they get murdered. <laughs> they get thrown off this moving train. She gets a really hard death. Actually. He, oh, he gets shot and thrown off. She just, well, he falls. gets thrown off and shot. And then, well, they, and then she gets thrown off into like a very shallow Creek. Right. From a very high height. And they follow her down. I don't want to see it. And I almost turned it off. Still hot. Very, still hot on the ground, though. Very charismatic actor is in Hot Shots Part 1 and, and Part 2, right? I don't, yeah, whatever. Maybe Part 2. Uh, Demon Knight. Great. Isn't she in that? I'm just going to go along with it. She's. I always liked her. She's kind of... Uh, very pretty. Yeah, very pretty. Very, like... just. Very, I think I always thought she was kind of good and stuff. She's in, in a lot of stuff, but... Yeah. Still working though. Good for her. Anyway, so what happens? You you t- you talk about what happens here. Well, I mean, so Seagal's on the train with his girl, his, his little niece, who has given him some lip because he hasn't kept up with her, and now her dad's dead, and things aren't great. He brings her a present. He brings her a teddy bear, and she yeah. hates it. She does not like it. It it pays the ultimate price in this film. Um, <laughs> but what does she say about? What does he say whenever she doesn't like the teddy bear? I don't remember. He says something like, um, I didn't train for this. Oh, that's yeah, that happens at one point early on, yeah. And then but did you notice what he was sporting at for his trip? Tell us. Well, I guess that Seagal decided that you know, uh, normal packing's not cool. Like it's like having a bag, like a duffel bag or something for this trip isn't cool. He's got a gigantic backpack that he slings over his shoulder. It's like a it's gigantic and there's a huge iron cross on it. He's trying to make luggage as cool as he thinks he is. Yeah. You know, did you not notice this thing? I just assume, man. I assume he always has a cross on everything. That's a very interesting piece of luggage. I, I've never seen such a item. I, I, I don't know Steven Seagal. Never had the privilege. But I would guess that if you were to visit his house, what would you what would you call the style of the decor? I'd say it would be like disco dojo or would it be like um, uh, Tupperware Shanghai? I mean, what, what do you think? What do you think his house? His, his you know, he's got one of those uh, like those ponds in the backyard, right? With koi. Or like those, or what are those rice paper walls. What do they call that? Oh, yeah. But, you know, he's got that kind of style in there. It got to be. Yeah. He, he's like Einstein, though. You know how Einstein had a closet full of all the same stuff? Mm hmm. Yeah, he, he has, no very diverse clothing, but sixty of the same bolo tie. Yeah, yeah, bolo is a big one for him. I think he's got him. Mm-hmm. Probably, a, probably a rhinestone. What do you call that? What is that turquoise? Some tur- that turquoise thing on. He's got some turquoise there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a little bit of a, I guess, a, a cowboy by way of like Japan type. Yeah, style. I don't know how really to put it. Like he's he's a wannabe man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he that's what his ego is so large and that this that he would he was like casey would never own a normal piece of luggage right you know we need to create a bag that doesn't exist for this character <laughs> blew the budget on the bag and the 
unwanted by America, unwanted by the Far East. He had to f- take up uh, a home. Where does he live? I'm sure, he lives in the, the valley. But I'm. But it, his his heart is in Russia. No, he loves he loves Russia. Yeah. He in fact, when they talked about making a few years ago, he he wanted to bring Casey Ryback back for the third movie and final chapter. Mm-hmm. He said, "Of course, that would be set in Russia." Yeah, but Russia's the hero, right? I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He's an enigma, Nick. He's a fat enigma. <laughs> so Eric Bogosian and his cronies, including Patrick Kilpatrick and Peter Green. Love. And Jonathan. Love Craig, both of them. Yeah. Takes over the train, says, this is your captor speaking. I thought that was cute. That was very cute. And he gets in the intercom. Did you notice what happens when they throw Brenda Backey off the train? I, I hate the whole scene. <laughs> Seagal is on the roof of the train at the time. And he goes, God damn it. <laughs> Yeah, he, well, he hates to see. You know, one thing is, he really does like Casey's big motivation is this is to save the hostages. That is a family sized zoom. And so when they, uh, when a hostage dies, he's not happy about it. But yeah, anyway, we're kind of getting far ahead because he boards the train. There's a couple cute things that happen before mayhem breaks out here. Is on the train, he's trying to bond with his uh, niece, doesn't work, but he's he sidles up to a bar mm-hmm. where she's drinking uh, so, uh, club soda, right? Right. And he tells her there's no alcohol in that drink because the bartender like wouldn't give her alcohol. Right. He zooms in. But then he he says this thing about like he's trying to bond with his niece. <laughs> he says this. He has a monologue, which isn't very Seagal-like. And he says, this is what he says. And, and the writer has him say, instead of just saying time flies, right? <laughs> yeah. Instead of saying time flies, he says, time goes by, seems to fly before you know it. that he says things happen which is amazing Mm -hmm. um but that's why not just say time flies yeah is steven seagal too good (laughs) casey ryback would never say time flies is that what he decided he would say instead (laughs) (laughs) he would take the long cut and of course he whisper acts through it yes there's also a a zoom out there's a train they show the train there's a very like zoom out the trains leaving the station shot where they you get to see the city you know what i'm talking about they pull back and there's this really i don't know if you notice this this really big oil slick near the train just a I did not a big big splotch of oil can clean that up maybe you just caught a big uh in joke or or, or something something about the plot Seagal's hair <laughs> no It'd be a joke, but I'm just saying that when you introduce a big puddle of oil, yeah. you have to pay it off. Did you say after the credits? Of course I did. Okay. Yeah. The action begins rather quickly. So not, they- not quick enough because there's a scene that he's talking to the bartender who's trying to hit on and he's actually writing his book at the bar. Yeah. He's writing a book and the bartender goes, what are you writing? And what does he say? My memoirs. But he doesn't say it like that. Memoirs or something like that. <laughs> Doesn't know how to say memoirs. I think it's probably a, a line, though. It may be a blank my book. My memoirs. It's a blank book. He said, it's a book, my memoirs. He goes, stuff like that. She's like, let me know when you get to the point where you stick a knife in Stranick's head. Because if you ever go back in the when, when coffee shops were everything and COVID wasn't around, you walk up to a guy mm-hmm. back to the corner with his laptops. I'm a writer. And you go, you, you stick your head around there and he's playing Bejeweled, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't buy it. I bet Seagal's got a book. Do you think he wrote a book? He wrote scripts, right? I bet he wrote. I bet he's got a book out there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's. He's probably written a couple of how to fight type things too. And then there's a whole kind of plot with Morris Chestnut who plays a train porter. He's kind of hitting on Catherine Heigl's character. Yep. 
and she flips him in the train because she's trained to her dad was just like Seagal. They were both, you know, these, you know, military men and Morse Chestnut like is teasing her, won't show her what's in a closet. And she flips him backwards, like over ass over feet in the hallway. And then the next scene, he's limping. He is actually hurt by her. He tries to laugh it off, but he's in pain. Yeah, you're right. Um, he has written a fucking book. Of course I'm right. The name of yeah. the book is The Way of the Shadow Wolves, colon, The Deep State and the Hijacking of America. <laughs> are you uh, are you shitting me? I am creative, but I ain't that creative. <laughs> he wrote a book about the deep state. He sure did. Oh my god, is is it how many pages is it? 97? It's 240. Double spaced, uh, wide margins. Currently on Amazon, it is it's six hundred eighty three thousand five hundred ninety eight in the rankings. <laughs> Give us a taste of the reviews. But, Anybody? <laughs> Hold on a second, though. I got to tell you, it's in the it's in the high six hundred thousands globally in books, mm -hmm. but in Native American literature, it's in the nineteen hundred range. Yeah, uh, but it, it's number two thousand seven hundred sixty two in witch and wizard mysteries category. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the deep state, Steven Seagal. Okay, let's hear it. Oh, page oh. one. Oh my god, that's the first line. It's the first <laughs> sentence. <in the> book. <laughs> Does it have a co-author? Yeah, yeah, big time. Tom Morrissey. <laughs> Is it? It got to be recent, I guess. Yeah, two years ago. Oh my god. Um, the guy, that sheriff, that sh that sheriff that was in that standoff, he wrote the forward. What sheriff? What sheriff Joe about? Arpaio, whatever his name is. Oh, right? that motherfucker. He got pardoned, yeah, by Trump. Like, he's a piece of shit, that guy. Racist fuck. He wrote the forward? Yeah. Okay. Carnival of idiots. Incredible, Nick. Steven Seagal on, on the cover is wearing a, of course, like an Indian thing with those tassels hanging from it. He's got a, uh, a necklace with turquoise. A giant belt buckle with an Indian on it, and I think a concealed carry like holster sort of peeking out of his shirt. Yeah. He would remember he had that show where he was a sheriff. Remember that was yeah. not a joke. He was actually on the in the police force. I think here's the thing about he actually put himself on the cover, right? So it's about the deep state, and he had to put himself on the cover. Yeah, to sell more copies, I guess. You know what's funny? This is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, how, like they have that um, Amazon allows you to um, preview. Yeah. Uh, the preview I've, is the whole book. <laughs> yep. The entire book, accidentally, all of the text is on Amazon. <laughs> and let me yeah. zoom in. The last sentence is the end of the beginning. He has to. I bet in that movie, I bet in that book, he talks about his, about Casey Ryback. Oh, I'm you know? sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, this might be the hugest zoom of all time, like that we've done on the show. That he's got a book. And that's accidentally available for free in the preview of it on Amazon. You know what's funny is normally mm -hmm. this would soil, this would James Woods him out of my life. Mm -hmm. uh, but now I'm hungry for more. There is there is no, he is beyond the pale, man. There's nothing that he could do that would change my need to instantly do an episode on another one of his movies. He actually, I don't know if you heard this. This is getting kind of serious, but he tried to storm the Capitol, but... He took one look at the steps. He was like, fuck it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He turned around and got a hot dog. <laughs> That's, that was, that, your optimism is adorable. And he ate it with chopsticks. 
I appreciate your optimism. A digression. Nick was trying to get a joke about Justin's optimism here. The conceit being that Steven Seagal would only have one hot dog. He said he never touches flesh to food, so. That's on, is that on the, in the book? <laughs> he uses chopsticks, but he doesn't, he never got the hang of it. He just stabs food with them. There's a, I'm going to spoil the end a little bit for this. There is, Everett McGill is the bad guy in this. Basically, the best bad guy in this. He kills he Bogosian. One of the best bad guys ever in this. He's so good. He, they built his character up so much. And the fight scene is so one-sided. Seagal <laughs> slaps him around a kitchen and kills him. It is so anticlimactic. It is embarrassing. It's great. It's so funny watching Everett McGill get smashed through food and plates. and He has to give it his all because he has to pretend he's getting his act, ass kicked by someone who doesn't move. In a better you know? world, he wins that fight and they do a series about his character. <laughs> yeah, his name is uh, Mr. Penn, right? P-E-N-N. Mm-hmm. And he's also, he's kind of like the bad guy, Tommy Lee Jones's character in the first one. He's an ex-military guy gone bad. And a lot of the people on his crew actually know Seagal. They, a couple of them trained under him. And so whenever his name, they start to realize he's aboard the train, they start to freak out a little bit because they know what a badass Casey, Casey Ryback is. Right. Anyway, so that kind of gets us up to the, the sequence when they take over the train, these bad guys. You know, this, it's very violent. There's a lot of... They take over the train quite violently. Mm-hmm. They steal some helicopters violently. They mow down people. They kill the train engineer. They kill a lot of people. And then they herd the hostages into one of the train cars. And then they set up a techno shop <coughs> to control the satellite. They take over the satellite. And these two people having sex aboard the train, they know the codes that Bogosian needs. Mm-hmm. And he threatens their eyeballs with a hot laser or something, yeah. a hot pen. They give up the codes. And uh, he does something... They said, well, we'll, get, we'll give you the codes, but you'll never be able to do anything with them because you need to type them in simultaneously. What does he do? He types them in simultaneously. Yeah, he gets two keyboards and he... Yeah, Bogosian sells that. And I love it because one of the big things about this film, this is something that dates the film a little bit. A CD-ROM plays very prominently in this movie. It is incredible that that is such a big part of this. A CD-ROM and, and a bad mm-hmm. cell phone. But he talks, he uses one of my pet peeves, which I was mentioning before. One of my pet peeves is when somebody calls it porno instead of porn. Mm-hmm. And he uses it in this. He's talking about the CD-ROM. It could hold launch codes or it could hold porno. And you I don't like it. To me, porno sounds like something who what something that somebody would say who doesn't know what porn is. And, you know, Bogosian's from New York, right? And this porno from the 70s, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that was a thing. Maybe he maybe he's keeping it real, you know? Okay. I, I, I stand corrected. I don't you don't be corrected and don't stand for it, but I'm just assuming. But you know what? You know what they say about assumptions, right? Right. Mother of all fuck ups. Mm-hmm. It's true. Another it's line, line in this. It's repeated twice. Do you know who said that, right? Yeah. Louis Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. The, one of my favorite things, Jonathan Banks from Breaking Bad, who, who we love, is one of the terrorists here. And he's the guy that kills the train engineer and takes over, um, um, you know, running the train, driving the train. And he tells over the walkie-talkie after he kills them, you know, the, the guys up front, he says, Loco's secure. Yep. Which I thought would have been a great subtitle for this. Right. I, I think also yeah. when they were planning up this... Because at one point, Bogosian calls it his million-dollar mercenaries. You think the planning of this, maybe Banks would have said no to his job. Do you remember what, do you what happens to him at the end of the film? Yeah, he doesn't. He gets a quiet death. He gets a hilariously ridiculous death. Yeah, well, he's already hurt. Yeah, but... He's shot. But then he yeah, he, cra- he crashes into the... And he's, like, thrilled. He pulls a Viggo Mortensen in daylight. 
Yeah, he runs into the oncoming train, right? Uh, on yeah. purpose. Yeah. Now, something I noticed early on in this film that I didn't notice the first hundred times I've watched it, composer Basil Paul Duras did not get the memo that this is a dog shit movie and is giving 600% of his talents to this thing. He is going nuts with the score. Did you notice it? I know it's that there was a lot of score. In it. He is hauling ass. He is like, is this Spielberg? Is this, am I doing a fr-? I mean, he probably just heard it's a franchise to a, a hit. And he didn't even watch the movie. He just came up with the best score he had in his body. There is a reason that every single person in this movie is giving it their all. It's because Seagal is giving it his none. <laughs> <laughs> See, I take offense at that because I, I think he he may he may be great in this movie. His his favorite part of this was just he first of all, he's always in a black suit. Like he never changes it. Like in under siege, at least. Yeah. He's changes like he has a costume. You know why? The the costume designer said, "I'm sorry, I can't give you vertical lines in everything that you wear in this movie." So Casey uh, hides in the meat locker, which is a callback. Right when the terrorists take over, the callback to the first one. Um, but he gets all the cooks killed. Remember when they're he kind of a guy boards the train and he and he shoots or like he does something. He knocks the guy out. And then they shoot everybody on board. They kind of shoot through the train and they kill all the cooks in the kitchen. I don't think he lets them. They just got in the way of bullets. I don't think he knew what the scope of what they were going to do is. But I, I wonder if that's part of his plan in a way is to get all the cooks killed. And then he can, there's a job opening. Right. Well, he, train cook. yeah, he wanted to be the best on the boat, mm-hmm. you know, per se. And he couldn't. Could. They, they kill all the chefs. Yeah, they die. All the cooks. And then he's, but he's fine. Of course. Uh, Mars Chestnut, like you mentioned him earlier, it's funny because he and, and uh, Seagal kind of get teamed up a little bit, and he does his own Seagal impersonation in this movie. It's actually good. You liked it? I thought it was good, yeah. I, I think it's probably the same as his Eastwood or his Norris or his whatever. I think it's actually good. I was trying to do a Seagal impersonation. I couldn't pull it off. I wish I could. I've never tried one. but You'd probably be better than I than myself. It's, it's, there's, it's just... You got to lower your voice. Got to get a little gravel in there, whisper in there, and you're good. I, I just couldn't mix it together. We'll do it. We'll do an impersonation episode one of these days. Uh, after he steps out that meat locker, this I'm trained for. Right. Yeah. You know, once well, the bullets start flying, he knows what to do. Yeah. Um, by the way, there's a funny drill noise in this. Did you notice? It's a. It's cute. It is very cute. Yeah. And they're drilling um, Eric Bogosian's command center together in the train. And, looks very serious, and they and it's funny because you think it's over, and then there's a scene of dialogue happening, and it's hap- and it happens again in the background. What a mm-hmm. gift! What a gift from the uh, auditory department. And when they're threatening, by the way, Brenda Backy or Brenda Back's eye, you know, he says Bogosian says one of the most beautiful eyeballs in the world. Yeah, it's a little bit of sh- sugar before that spice. <laughs> yeah, I think you know a little compliment before he yeah. throws her to her death. Yeah, well, he was talking about the guy. But yeah, <laughs> uh, and then he so goes then, psych, and then he pulls out a mad ball. He goes, "I met one of the most beautiful mad balls in the world." But you mentioned that CD, that compact disc, and my favorite image from this is Bogosian kissing the compact disc, <laughs> waxing poetic about technology. Yes, <laughs> just just talking about this, the role technology has to play in our world. They're the junket. They're like Bogosian, uh, Mister Bogosian. I heard you have a, a love scene in the movie. He goes, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Compact disc. And then the one of the character, the, the, he's like, whack, he's like kissing the disc. And 
Someone's like, is that a rewritable? Yeah. And then he starts crying. He kissed yeah. it and they're like, oh, that's a CD. I get it. S E E D Y. It's illicit. It's a CD disc. Do you think Seagal looks like a busted ass Dracula atop the train? <laughs> Way to insult a legendary Nosferatu. <laughs> he is. He really is ripping it up on top of that train, just like a fucking gremlin. Remember? I'm, I, <laughs> yeah. He really is. Like, he's a little bit of a, he's like a little rodent. You know, just burrowing around the train and going to little secret compartments, uh, hiding in the luggage yep. uh, compartment with Morse Chestnut. We go back to visit our favorite people in the world over at the war room. Mm-hmm. Nick Mancuso's cigarette smoking has gone into overdrive in this movie. <laughs> yes. It's almost as if they gave him a quota and that he does it so aggressively and furiously. Even if you're looking at wide shots of the entire room, sure. he is nailing that cigarette. And once again, he seems a little shady, a little bit sketchy. But lo and behold, just like Backy, he goes through this entire film without betraying his government. He does. Well, he but the, he has betrayed his government in a weird way because everybody he hires turns into a terrorist. The, he gets <laughs> he gets raked over the coals by by the higher ups. They're like, "What the fuck is you know? What do you, do you even look at the resumes? You know, you mentioned a CD. There's another antiquated piece of technology in this film. Oh, Seagal. Mm-hmm. What what's he bust out? Oh, there's a, there, there is a fax machine in this dog. It's a fax machine, but he you know what? Oh, how he sends Apple Newton and Apple Newton in this. No, he sends a through a Palm Pilot. A Palm is there an Apple Newton? It's an Apple yeah. Newton. It's an Apple Newton. Yeah, well, I thought it was a Palm Pilot, but it's the same. Is it a similar device? Yeah, it's the Newton was even less successful. But he sends a fax from it. But this film is throwing a lot of uh, historical fixture, you know, figures at us. They got you know Pastor, you got Newton, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you got Sheriff Joe Arapio, whatever. <laughs> Um, a par- I think his name is Aparo. Okay. Um, pardon one of the one of the lucky many pardoned by Trump. So yeah, he he he, he faxes his his big eared uh, counterpart. He's I am on the train. Things aren't great. That kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And of course, what this does is this gets. Uh, first of all, it's a cute moment because this is like the second time he's mm-hmm. he's gone around his ass to get in contact with those Pentagon people, mm-hmm. but also. It clues in the villains to his exi- his existence. Yeah, and Ryback's a big deal to these cats. They know him. Yeah, that's uh, what I said. Yeah, and and his uh, his recipes are on this uh, Newton. There are. Do you remember which one that they uh, they took a look at and Bogosian thought it might be yummy? Mm-mm. It was a it was a fruit salad with crystalline ginger. <laughs> is one of his recipes is a fruit salad? Yeah. With crystalline ginger. I did, I expected Casey to be slaving away or just like in the kitchen, really like throwing it, but he wants to make, he wants to cut up some fruit. Yeah. And then and yeah, and, ginger and he, they scroll through the palm pie and there's one that's in parentheses just says lard omelet. <laughs> Spaghettios surprise. <laughs> what do you think of the unnecessary, uh, the plain uh, subplot that happens in this? <laughs> Well, he's got to test the device on a moving object to set up the stealth scene later. Right. And so that he's got buyer. And once he takes, goes and takes over the satellite, um, he's got a lot of interested parties that want to use it and pay him big money, pay him a billion dollars to use it. And one of the people that's interested wants to pay him a little bit more to kill his ex-wife who's on a commercial flight. Yeah. His ex-wife. And he and Bogosian does it. Yeah. A lot of people know where their ex-wives are all the time. 
I don't like that scene. Remember I was talking in Die Hard 2 when they ran that passenger plane to the ground? Yeah. I feel like fate whipped me across the cheeks. <laughs> with I Immediately after watching that or saying that, I watched this film. I don't like it, Nick. Well, Jeff Murphy is no slouch. Yeah, they use a real plane with passengers when they're making this fictional movie. So, uh, you know, they they realize Casey's there. He's creating mayhem. He's killing. He's killing their crew. But a, a woman, one of the one of the like a female member of the terrorists, she drops a she drops a sniper bullet into Casey's shoulder. Mm-hmm. She she nails him. She's one of the more effective villains in this. After after. Seagal gets shot. Morris Chestnut's like, you've been shot. And he goes, there's no bullet in here. You think this is being shot? This ain't being shot, is what he says. Embarrassed, either embarrassed to be shot or in shock. (laughs) (laughs) Which one do you think it is? And also, a bad teacher to Morris Chestnut. You think this is being shot? This ain't being shot. Is that Seagal refusing to admit he's wounded in a film? That's Maybe it's an ad lib. very macho. And then it whip pans to JFK's assassination and his last words are, now this is being shot. And then there's like a, there's this weird scene when I think Seagal does this. He, he has to break some glass. He puts like a, a towel around like a, uh, like a glass and smashes it. And they bring in, it's almost like a, they're shattering a skyscraper. Like they've got sounds from a million windows shattering at the same time. It's pretty great. Like I said, they got to fill this movie up with, they got to go overboard with their noises in this to bring some life to the proceedings. You know, it's a shame that Jeff Murphy didn't realize what he had with Peter Green, Patrick Hillpatrick and Jonathan Banks. Cause they, not that they're wasted because there's actually some good stuff with those guys. Mm-hmm. But those are legends, and in, in those they're genre legends, right? And it would have been nice to see more. But McGill does his best to carry the load big time. And so once things go crazy, Seagal encounters these guys. There's a lot of fighting. We don't need to worry about all that dog shit. But it, once once the cat and mouse between the, McGill and, and Seagal begins, this movie kicks some serious heart. I want to zoom in real quick on Everett McGill in this movie. His look, okay. Let's zoom in. You, are you prepared for this? Yeah. Looking like Dr. Anthony Fauci in this. <laughs> That's interesting. Do you not agree? No. I mean, put a leather jacket on on the good doctor, and he's looking like uh, the bad guy in Under Siege 2, I'd say. It's amazing how much mileage you can get by tucking uh, your fatigues into big boots. <laughs> I mean, do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I, I'm getting there. He's sporting that tucked in the boots look. and It, looks, it makes Edward McGill, uh, a, a peaceful man, mm-hmm. look like a hard machine. We have to talk about the pepper spray scene. It's amazing. It's it's my favorite moment in this movie, maybe. There's another moment involving Seagal I also love, just right after this. That, but, um, the pepper spray scene makes me so happy. Yeah, explain it. So early in the film, uh, we, we find out that uh, Catherine Heigl's character has some pe- has some pepper spray, or so she thinks. And um, later mace. in the film, is it wait right. one way or the other? Which is the I think she thinks it's mace. Okay, so so when he when McGill realizes that she's Casey Rybex's plus one, because we learn, I mean, no one calls their wife a plus one. It's a big zoom in the right. film. Um, she is close to him, and she nails him in the face, and that's a big hero moment for her character. Her and Peter Green, I think. I think they both get nailed by yeah. it. McGill and Peter yeah. Green. And, yeah. And then Everett McGill scoffs at this. To, that he, and, he, and he says it's consumer shit. Maybe he corrects her and says it's not mace, it's pepper spray. And then he takes it and binoculars it. Of course. Yeah, there's a little bit of a thread in this that Everett McGill is a little bit of a pain seeker. 
a little bit of a there, mask. There's, yes. a, there's a better scene with him seeking pain later. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and it just like he can, he has that you know he had, gives that really good performance in a movie you don't like. Uh, the people under the stairs. He plays an insane character in that, and there's shades of that character in in this in that performance. Anyway, Seagal comes maybe the first time, maybe the first in a way like the first troll tweet happens in this film. Okay. Casey, of course, makes a bomb and he throws it in the middle of the technology center that Bogosian's sitting in. A bad guy catches it and ex- basically explodes, but before into a ball of flame. But before he explodes, there's a message like he hooks it up to a pager and the message says, You're fucked. <laughs> and then it explodes. <laughs> it's a little bit of a like a troll, I'd say, wouldn't you? Well, I like the fact that there are people's lives at stake and he has to, he's on a phone where you have to hit like the, three times to go from A to B to C wait for the space to move over. Then you have to hit the button three times to get to the letter E and shit like that. Yes. That's a lot of people's lives time that he is risking right there. The train, is, the train is hurtling towards the, uh, towards fate. And he's sitting there. Oh crap. I got a backspace. A little proud of him. Yeah. Apostrophe. That's right. And he also didn't put you are, he didn't abbreviate. Yeah. That would have been great. But he did say after that scene, he said, don't at me. <laughs> um, he actually put dot. And then that character's name. So that on Twitter, it's syndicated the way he wants. And then <laughs> Morris Chestnut then grabs the CD. Yes. Uh, during this flurry of flame and confusion. From the dumbwaiter, if I'm not mistaken. And he gets, he gets yeah. And then he, uh, they both leave the train, Casey and Morris Chestnut. They flee. And the, pers- the bad guys can't shoot them because they have the CD. Right. You might hit the CD. Skull goes over the cliff and Morris Chestnut goes into the woods. He gets a kill. He gets a kill. Yep, they do. They they they're both kind of put notches in their belts, kill wise. But the best is that Morse Chestnut drops the CD immediately, and Everett McGill just finds it under the train because <laughs> he's great. He just they're out looking for Morse Chestnut, and he just sees the CD undamaged, not even scratched, under the train. And then they haul the ass. Top. They haul ass away, leaving Chestnut and Seagal behind. Right. Seagal's hanging down there after he said hello to that guy. And he, he gets dragged up and then McGill shoots the damn ropes. This guy's smart, man. He shoots the rappels. Right. And then Chestnut has to haul ass and on, on to get onto the train too. But there's this there's a great line where uh Bogosian um gives him shit because he didn't see the body either, right? He goes, He may be dead, he may be alive, but he ain't on this train. And that's true. It is, yeah, it's not on the train. But then Seagal gets on the train because he has to the fastest hot wiring of a vehicle of all time happens. Yeah, and it's um then he jump for no reason jumps the car over the train after he bails out. He jumps the car. Yeah, could have parked. Yeah, but he and then he gets on the train. He jumps. He's he's always getting on the roof of that train. It's know? an expensive movie for the taxpayers too. Yeah, I mean they how I think the stealth bomber they kill two stealth bombers in this. They kill many trains. Mm-hmm. You think about the the bill that the taxpayers get handed after this movie. It's, I know it's, I how know, many yeah. satellites get blown out. Yeah, I know. There's a whole bunch of that. They, the, the hackers are messed up, so then no one knows where the satellite is. There's a bunch of fake faux satellites in the sky that they have to find the right one. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> because you know what's coming up. What the title of the film? Dark territory. That's right. They are heading ass towards it. Do you know what it is? It's an area in the territory that is uh, less light than others. But it also cuts them off communication. Oh, okay. And no one can track them. I, I, I they only say that like four or five times in the movie, which is good. You, they talk about it a lot. 
They do. The, they, the words dark and territory are used at least four times in this movie. Well, they, they have to explain why the, the, that they're headed to the dark territory, what it is, why the movie subtitled it. Mm-hmm. But it, they never really make the case. <laughs> True. Because it's a very small part of the film. They use it to just kind of switch uh, train tracks mm-hmm. to confuse the observers, I guess, to confuse the military. Yeah. But, I mean, you know Seagal is still going to whoop shit up. What about the scene... Nick. Well, that's right before the scene, the face pinch, isn't it? Let's just let's not skip over the broke my bra scene. Oh my! Well, that's after the face pinch. Is it really? Yep, it's way after. Okay, you can talk about the face pinch. So, this uh, we think Seagal has perished as an audience, and we'll actually mm-hmm. we know he lives. McGill and and, co- and, co- and company thinks he's dead, and he's shared that news with Catherine Heigl. Mm-hmm. So she gets in one last jab and she pinches the living daylights out of his cheek. And it's hard to watch. It actually looks like it hurts like a dick. Yeah. She does like a thing that like kind of freezes Everett McGill in his tracks. Like he kind of pinches a nerve that like shuts the system down. It looks like can't move. And he is feeling it and he is sucking it in. He loves it. Yeah. He's impressed by the move and he actually likes the pain from it. Yeah. And then he, yeah, what does he say up. to her? I don't remember. He said, uh, Man, that was that was good. <laughs> one of those, <laughs> one of those classic lines. I can't remember. I didn't remember it. I can't believe I didn't remember it. Yeah, I, in my memory, I thought he goes, "Thank you," but he, he said, "Man, that was good." But still, still. And then, so Seagal has made him. He jumped the, and this is another thing. I think I mentioned this on on uh, Open Range. I hate when they when things go smashing into rivers and stuff like that, and into mm-hmm. creeks. We have a dead body slamming into a creek. We got guys driving trucks through creeks. And we got a, a, a truck launched into a creek. And I think right. they can't check and make sure there's no salamanders in those rocks. And Oh, in real life. Yeah. Crayfish and stuff. So how the hell do they know that there's no sweeties in there? And then how do they have the gall to post no creatures were hurt during the making of this film when I'm damn sure that a something was destroyed? I'm going to boycott. You say, gall, you say gall or seagull? I couldn't. I'm going to boycott this film until next week. Um so while Seagal is doing his shenanigans to get onto the train, Mr. Morris mm-hmm. Chestnut gets the drop on him from Mr. Peter Green. He does, yeah. Mr. Peter Green, who we love so much. Always a bad guy. Uh, played uh, Zed in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Yep. Played uh, always, kind of always a bad guy, but wasn't a movie that was pretty good about drug addiction. That, remember that movie? Came oh, a long yeah, time yeah. Ago? I forgot what that was called. Clean, clean something. Shave clean Shaven? Yeah, maybe. Good movie. Like, interesting movie. Um can I Just zoom a, in? Also in uh, Usual Suspects. Yeah, go ahead. Let me, he's got beautiful eyes. <laughs> yeah, okay. You think so? He does. He does have nice eyes. He's always a villain. He's always a hard ass, but he's got beautiful peepers. And it's a shame that nobody took that those eyes and made a, a, a sweeter movie around him. He's, um, there's something about him that is unnerving. His presence and the way he holds himself is acting. like He's just a great bad guy. Yeah, and, and there's you know he just commands like uh, attention, like, and he he's also great, like, kind of like Kim Coates. It's a bad guy that you want to see get killed, like you want to see him pay. Not in this movie. Um, or in this movie, you're rooting for him. There's a little vulnerability in his character. In this movie, I didn't want to see him pay. Also, let me zoom in. Kim Coates has beautiful eyes. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So anyway, amateur hour aboard that train. These terrorists are unprepared for everything coming their way. Um, even Everett McGill in the end, um, 
Evan McGill does does the classic bad guy thing, kills one of his own men. Kilpatrick of all people. Yeah, well, Kilpatrick, Kilpatrick, or Patrick Kilpatrick dares to criticize Everett McGill, dares to question him. And there's a what, great what happened. There's a great line though, right what? after that, because the guy, the guy basically talks how he fucked up, and so all got you know. And then McGill shoots him, and he goes, "Does anybody else here think I fucked up?" He doesn't shoot him. He doesn't. He stabs but, him in the larynx. Yeah, well, that's right. He does. He destroys his neck. Gives uh, him the old windpipe puncture. <laughs> Carries his knife to the hilt. But you know what's funny is you have jumped over the scene that you mentioned as well as two other important scenes. So let's go ahead. I, I, you go back there. So, I would love to. Would, so, just take me. They give take Eric Bogosian some very awkward monologuing to do in this film. <laughs> very bad. Yeah. And he's great. And obviously, he's a monologuist in his real day job. So he's good mm -hmm. at that kind of shit. But they give him some awful dialogue. And he may have given it to himself for all I know. But he's doing his shit. And he goes into the Twilight Zone intro for no fucking reason. Instead of Twilight Zone, he renames it Dark Territory. He does. Yeah, uh, he almost get he almost he almost sells me on it. Yeah, and then the bra scene. Yeah, someone brought brought this up, I think, on our Instagram when you announced this movie, but I did not remember the scene. But there's a woman when I think Seagal and she's in the bathroom, and there's a terrorist outside guarding her. But she, I guess he le he's letting her go to the bathroom, watching her, mm -hmm. um, the door, and Seagal's like shh. And he uses her so she comes out and she like has her cleavage out and she says he's like the terrorist is like what took you so long and she says I broke my bra and he looks at her breast and Seagal kills him. Yep. Yeah. And then what does Seagal say? I have no idea. Tits to die for. He does. He does say that. He does say that. You're not making it up. I, I don't remember that. Says it right after. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> while walking towards the camera. He does not say He that. absolutely does say that. I swear. It's a crime. <laughs> he says it. And the funny thing is, is that he started to say it to. He says it to no one. He says it to us, the audience. It's like, it's like Schwarzenegger, you know, he'll kill a guy. There's nobody to listen, but he's still going to say, you know, his line. I just saw this. I didn't remember it. I, I thought that's what you were leading to. I was probably taking a notes on. I couldn't believe that she said I, I broke my bra. Yeah, like that's already weird enough. Yep, tits to die for. Um, he starts kicking some people's asses. You know, he's making his way through the train, and the, and on the <laughs> this is amazing. One of the guys on the walkie-talkie says, uh, "Casey Ryback, we're, Casey Ryback's getting our guys or whatever." And that's when McGill finds out he made it back, and he screams his name. And it is astonishing. He says Ryback at least. He doesn't say Kate. It's Ryback. It's like the quick cut. And it oh, I could I I could have that on a loop in my life. I, it's better than amazing. my faces. There's also an amazing uh scene where uh, there's a helicopter overhead waiting to um pick up all these terrorists from the train. And the pilot is that guy that's in all those Bruckheimer films. And Morris Chestnut decides that he's gonna climb or Casey Ryback orders him to climb up and take care of the helicopter pilot, which but you know, uh, you know, Morse Chestnut's a porter on the train. And he's like, know, yeah, see, see, see if you can commandeer this helicopter. Go, And so he goes up, and then this woman the, who's part of the crew. Yeah, she's like their muscular Tandy Newton, kind of. And she goes up after Chestnut, and then he has a fight scene with her, then throws her, he ends up getting up her hand, throws her out of the helicopter, and she ping-pogs off the train. She gets super killed. She bounces off the train. Yeah. yeah. She gets m super murdered, and I love it. Likeable actress in this. I kind of liked her. I thought she was uh, 
she was the you know a, a nice heavy in this, a nice addition to the crew. Yeah, she makes it longer than Peter Green and Patrick Kilpatrick do. McGill wants to he actually has to say it out loud that he has to he wants to take him hand to hand, and he mm-hmm. and he actually ha- he threatens he's got like Bogosian in like at knife point or something at one point, but mm-hmm. he basically decides he wants to go take on Casey Ryback. And and Bogosian and Catherine Heigl are the only people really left in the uh, main car where his operations base is. And and it's funny because Bogosian says, "Go ahead, go get your throat ripped out." <laughs> I know, because he yeah, might call back the first one. Exactly. Yeah, he does not get his throat ripped out, but it leads to the scene. So go ahead. I'm just saying that this scene has been set up this entire film. Everett McGill deserves an amazing death. Like he deserves to be at least killed twice. Like, you know, when you're a good bad guy, you get killed. Like, Bogosian gets killed like three times. Yes, he does. So, you know, McGill should get kill- killed at least twice. He doesn't. He's in the kitchen and we're, he's fighting Casey Ryback and he never, almost never gets a hit in. He gets one good and, kick. He gets one good kick. And, and Seagal just basically slaps him around, embarrasses him in the kitchen, you know, and um, cuts his jacket I love that. And with a knife. And it's just like a really embarrassing fight. And then he just. He rides him down the stairs. Yeah. And he chokes him to death. I think he just like suffocates. He breaks like three necks in this movie. If I remember. Does he break his neck? Yeah. He he definitely. Anyway, it just sucks. It's, I like, love it. Know, I love it. I, I, can and, I, and the best is the goal is barely moving in the scene. Like he keeps. The, but one thing they keep going back to is he has his hands. I don't know what it is. Snake charmer. Yeah. Snake charmer hands up and he just keeps fluttering his hands in Everett McGill's face. There's one scene where he throws like a hundred punches <laughs> into him. I know. In short I know. Session. And then Everett McGill gets a meat cleaver and still can't land a blow. With no, him. he can't. But you know why Everett McGill fails so hard in that fight scene? Why? Well, Senegal puts it very succinctly. Nobody beats him in the kitchen. Yep. I like that line, actually. It's not bad. It's better than the fucking tits line. Well, I, it's funny because it'd be funny if he if he sliced Seagal's shirt and and you see his tits, and he uses that line there because I I would venture to say that he's he and her are probably the same bra size. <laughs> um, but then the best happens. Like the, this movie, the third act of this film is a miracle, and the effects are insanely bad at, from time to time. I'm like third grade bad. But once they're insane, they're yeah, they actually, <laughs> the space, the space CGI is, is so bad. In yep. this. Um, I wanted to bring up something before we get to this amazing part, because it is great. There's we talked about that. There's satellite that the that they're trying to shoot. The, the good guys are trying to shoot down their own satellite that's been commandeered by Bogosian. Unfortunately, they there's a bunch of decoy, like fake decoy satellites. Uh, like, I, I, don't I know, know where you're going with this. 20 extra ones. And so. They don't know which is the real one or which one are these fake ones. And they're all named mm-hmm. um, after like Greek letters, right. like Omega, Alpha, yeah. <laughs> Beta, and then Kappa, uh, you know, just like that. And so this one guy is like, you know, they can't figure them out. And so the, this this military guy tells the nerd who's been trying to figure it out. He goes, just pick one. We'll shoot at that one. And maybe it'll be right out of the 20 that are <laughs> military strategy 101. And so this guy yeah. picks Kappa yeah. and they, sh- it doesn't, it's not the one. And the guy screams, it wasn't Kappa. <laughs> like he screams like it, it uh, you know, it wasn't Kappa. Like it was a, such a surprise. No shit. 
you have a one out of 20 or your chance to get it right. But I guess he thought it was at least in his defense. He wasn't a four star general. It wasn't Kappa. Zoom in. I was, yeah. What if it was? I mean, that would, if, if it was Kappa, that's when you get your scream out. Yeah. It was? Yeah. And then Seagal's like, you mean I'm fighting everything for no reason because Kappa was it and you picked it randomly and win? I just like the fact that, like, our, what is supposed to be our leading strategist in the military tells a nerd to pick. You think that was a. <laughs> I think it was a sun, sunshine reference. Remember what's his face's character in that? Killian Murphy. Yeah, Kappa. Come on now, you can't even give me a little a wink and a nod there. That's his character's name. Yeah, Kappa. Killian Murphy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. It's a good movie, by the way. It sets up this. Okay, we got this amazing scene now. So, Bogosian and Seagal and Heigl are basically all that's left. And Chestnut's up in the helicopter with the dude. Um, Bogosian's about to win. He's about to win. Uh, he and Seagal comes in with 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 he's Heigl's holding a grenade that 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 Everett McGill, rest in peace, had given her. Seagal shows up, throws a grenade instantly mm-hmm. at Bogosian, and he the the world goes to hell, and somehow he's fine, and he's standing there about to get off the train and get onto the helicopter, telling Seagal there's literally nothing he could do to stop it, and he shoots the Motorola cell phone taped to the laptop that is sticking out. And it's the most obvious thing. And Lodge is a bullet, like a little bit into Bogosian, too. Yeah, but the the delivery of Bogosian's delivery, I didn't think of that, was it's insane. And then he goes flying out the window. He falls out the train window. So you think that's the end for Bogosian. And then the the Twin Peaks moment happens. So then the the, the train gets in a head on collision with another train. It starts to. Uh, you know, uh, high goes on the at this point the helicopter ladder. The trains start to crash. It's accordioning its ass off, and Seagal starts to run through the. Okay, wait, this. Wait, first of all, he is sent flying through debris. It's it's an amazing shot of him flying through debris. Any human being would be completely destroyed. And then it cuts to outside the train, and there is this freeze frame of Eric Bogosian's character clutching the rocks. The gravel inside the train tracks. Right. And it jump cut. It, it's like sputtering, like it's like stuck in a film projector or something. And it reminded me right. totally of David Lynch in the Twin Peaks revival. Sure, sure. Yeah, of course. And then there's this awful blue screen shot of Sakal not running, barely jogging. I know. <laughs> barely jogging through this train that is com- com- convulsing <laughs> into nothing. Yeah, it turns into like a platformer. Like a like a two D platformer, and he's like he's like you know jumping up levels, not even jumping, but cl- kind of climbing up levels, yeah. walking as the train is folding on in on itself. It is astonishing. It's incredible, but he finally he somehow manages to jump out and catch that helicopter ladder, right? But so does somehow Bogosian. <laughs> And Bogosian is right underneath him, climbing up the ladder. And I, at this point, you have to kind of. I would, as Casey Ryback, save Bogosian's life. That is someone who is a survivor. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. and then the whole thing blows up beneath him, and Bogosian becomes the predator somehow. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-mm. So he gets, he falls into the fire, and the effect mm-hmm. that they give as he's burning is the predator effect. Oh, is it? And then yeah. also, it's so funny, when, he, when he's holding on to the ladder, there is this 2D fake fire on his shoulders. 
I don't know how they did it. Then you didn't even talk about him getting the finger, the door slammed on he his gets fingers. His, that's right. He gets his, that's how he falls. He gets his fingers yeah. cut off. Yeah, because he's trying to. He almost makes it aboard the uh, and somehow Seagal, I, somehow the helicopter has a door that's that side slams shut. Yep, and knock and cuts all his fingers off. I forgot. About, um, that's, that's astonishing. Then he, he falls, gets, and the predator happens. It, the effects are, and then the helicopter gets thrown into the into this vortex of fire and wind and somehow writes itself mm-hmm. to you will there's this one shot where okay it's the end there's no way a human lives through this helicopter mm-hmm. and then they're fine and the great thing is they're they're on they're calling the guys at the home base to tell them everything's all right mars chestnuts are making jokes heigl's thrilled this pilot who is a villain we never see him he's just all right, let me take you guys home maybe they they give him a um you know they're like all right you know this is a gimme for you you're good you, you helped us out We'll forget this. But they do cut to something that's one of our favorite things. Please tell me. They cut to they end the movie in a cemetery. That's right. Mm-hmm. The running they end the movie. And um Seagal's with Catherine Heigel. Seagal's dressed in the in the dress whites, his military attire, and he's standing at the grave of his brother in the end. Just like you wanted this movie to end, right? You wanted it. You said to me, I remember before we watched this, you said, Oh, I hope it ends at the brother's grave. Right. Please, and it does. It was Seagal, Heigl, and all of his brother's friends. Oh, there was nobody there. And then Heigl said, um, "You know, Heigl's like, I, I never got the word. I mean, my dad loved a very secretive life. How did he die?" And Seagal said, "Death by tits." <laughs> well, so, actually, his father died in a plane crash, which is why they take the train or tits to die for him. So but the great thing is, because the, the reason they don't take a plane is because he was killed in a plane accident. Yeah, yeah. But, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. There's a line. But here's the thing: they must have filmed that scene much later because. Catherine Heigl is looking stacked in that scene. What? That scene, she is looking like a grown grown ass woman, and she's got a, a, this like tight sweater on, looking like like they filmed it a couple of years later because she looks like a like she's his date. Nick, she's probably fourteen in this movie. What are you talking? I'm just about? telling you the way they filmed that scene at the Arlington Cemetery. They are mm. sexing her up. There's even a weird naval shot of her earlier in the film where Everett McGill's got her at gunpoint or whatever grenade point i didn't notice her because there's an adonis standing beside her you know <laughs> talking about my eyes were drawn yeah <laughs> you know yeah all right well hey maybe maybe we should do th- unlike seagal in this movie maybe we should do the work okay <laughs> okay so you are rolling down uh, a hill uh gathering speed rocks and debris and stuff hitting you and you're just like you're sonic hedgehogging down this hill bouncing off of rocks and shit you finally come to a rest wind blows a scrim and behind there is a passage you walk through that passage uh follow the the giant extension cord leading in there and sure enough there's a <laughs> tattoo parlor at the bottom of the rock hill and the guy looks up touches his beard and says what would it be And you're like, that's not proper grammar, but I'll still let you put permanent ink on me. I just do ten, ten mini severed fingers on each of my fingers, <laughs> like Bogosian's digits, like on your fingers. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, reverse order. So the the Bogosian's mini thumb would be on my pinky, that kind of thing. I'd, I'd do it like that, but no, no, I would I would go the right order. I'm not going to be that crazy. Are they um, askew in like different directions and stuff like that? No, they're just the severed bloody fingers on the on the is it the front parts of each of my fingers uh-huh. you know yeah and then just like on one hand r.i.p on the other hand um his fingers <laughs> on the, or i guess i could say as seen in under siege to dark territory 
<laughs> what is his name again? Taylor, what's his name? Tyler Dane or something. Travis Dane. Travis Dane. Yeah. Travis. Travis Dane. You, you know. should have an asterisk. Travis Dane's phalanges. You should have an asterisk there. And then if they go down and look under your belt, there's like the, the uh, it tells you what the, what those mean. That's what I'll do. I'm going to put a, I have been working on a book of poetry during, during lockdown. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want, that would be a good title for a poem. Travis uh, Dane's severed phalanges. <laughs> do you think? Yeah. Can you imagine going to the poetry section of your local bookseller and yes. and uh, a collection of, of poems, and it's uh, called Under Siege Dark Territory. <laughs> oh, there's a poet that has a book called uh, Alien vs. Predator. So it's who I don't know his name, but okay. So I've got it on my. Uh, I've got. I've shaved my chest bare, and uh, I've got across the whole chest plate there, uh, the Last Supper, but with the people from the War Room. <laughs> Well, the most memorable part of the movie, uh-huh. obviously. <laughs> who's at the center? Who, who's Judas? The guy, the Judas is the guy who zoomed in on the tits at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> well, who's Jesus? Isn't Jesus? Is a... I mean, of course, it's Nick Mancuso. Herwood Smith in there? Hot box in a cigarette, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kurtwood Smith's on there twice, actually. They'll die. Yeah, he's there once. Yeah, I've got one Kurtwood Smith that looks like him. Then I got one Kurt Smith, Kurtwood Smith with a bad, bad wig, and it's hot, man. It's photorealistic. And then I'm thinking, you know, if, you know, thing. If my good luck continues in this life. Maybe I'll do the back with the with the villains, you know, Seagal's agents and stuff. Um, so you don't think I meant to let that mention that Kurtwood Smith mentioned pass by without recognizing that he did. Work with one of our favorites on this show. Who? Topher Prayer Hands. <laughs> <laughs> on that 70s show. Twice in one episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just twice in a sequel in this in a sequel. It makes sense. That's true. Speaking of sequels, escrow has been uh charged to your ATM card, and you have been yeah. given the ability to make a sequel to Under Siege to Dark Territory. What are you doing? So mine takes place. Seagal is at a nude beach in a kimono. It's a horror movie. <laughs> Manager walks up and says, hell no. <laughs> you got to take that off if you want to hang here. Seagal loses his shit and goes on a fucking night mission, nailing things, nailing. Like, he's gremlining naked bodies. He's like hiding like stuff in people's cracks and holes to like use later against the manager. And he just like a support staff shows up. You need to leave in a kimono, sir. And he and he's. And throwing like little, you made a firecracker out of a crab, throws it at the game. <laughs> oh, because he won't strip down? Yeah, or yeah he- he's in a kimono with a nude beach. That's awful. My sequel be. Or he, you know, he had a, I guess he kind of got a dishonorable discharge. That's why he was the cook. Remember, he had like not dishonorable discharge, but he get, he did get booted from his, his unit. And, you know, that captain kind of saved his, his job, put him to work in the kitchen. And this, he's retired from the military for sure. And he has his, his restaurant. So maybe it would just be, third movie would just be, we get to see what it's like. Casey Ryback at work in the kitchen. The whole movie is like big night. Nice. With Steve Seagal. You know, and there's a, a food critic that comes in and that's the big thing. Like he's going to finally review Casey Ryback's restaurant and his uh, kick-ass cuisine magazine or something. Right. And Seagal's, you know, he's all he's sweating it. He doesn't know he's going to make the big, his big, his famous meal. Yeah. Chicken and rice aroni. <laughs> you know, they should get to play that critic. If you really want to piss Seagal off. Ooh. Busey. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a, 
that you tell me. And then I'd read more about it that he was hired to play the villain in this. Mm-hmm. And Seagal was furious. And, and they had to pay Busey like $700,000 or whatever to not be in this movie. And it came out of. Are you kidding? No, I'm not. They paid him to not be he in it. Like he was able to bring his character back. He had a pay or play deal. And so when Seagal insisted he wasn't in the film, they actually took his entire salary, paid him, and it came out of. Seagal's predatorial credit. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't he want Gary Oldman be, to be back? Gary and why would they bring him back? Because he got killed in the first one. Busey. God, that's awesome. He would. Would he wonder if he would have been? Who would he have been? Him say, I guess the same character. Because this is based on this is they diehearded this thing. They took a book about it or a script about a different thing and they mm-hmm. turned it into an under siege. So okay. either way, yeah. Gary Busey. You never not have Gary Busey. Yeah. So I guess they didn't get along, huh? Yeah. You really wanted him off the picture. Okay, that's weird. And look, you have shown up in the scenes yourself. You are in Under Siege 2 Dark, dark Territory. What are you? God. I'm a passenger, of course. And yeah. I've got the worst constipation a man has ever had. I am tighter than a drum, walking weird. I, they, I look at a menu and I start to get dry heat. I can't even think about adding more. And I, right. and I am in the bathroom from the beginning of that train ride till it's unfortunate end and i am sitting there straining i'm hearing gunfire i'm hearing all this but i am straining trying to get the 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 poop out Mm -hmm. and i am just everything i've tried every yoga technique i'm rocking i'm doing the i even stuck a finger full of vaseline i've done everything to get that ass working is that a remedy for that well no there there isn't but when the train accordions I am squashed, but I have a merciful release as it happens. Waves of shit terror come out of me, like shit that didn't even know it existed comes out of me. And I, my, I, my body is halved, and I'm looking down at myself, and I see that shit all over the place, and I just have that like death smile. My last earthly move is to smile my ass off. And then I, <laughs> yeah, and then I go to heaven, and uh, I smell like shit, and I'm kicked away. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I'm glad you got to go to heaven, though. Yeah. And they actually so they my- filmed heaven day for night. There. So I'm going to bring my sequel idea. I'm going to bring it back. Kick-Ass Cuisine, the magazine. They want to get an interview with Casey Ryback. And they send a journalist, my character, who is also a, a bit of a badass as well. Like He's a journalist, but he's he's trained for this. Yeah. His name is uh, his name is Dakota Rents. Okay. Nice. <laughs> and he is trying to get an interview. He's trying to get the scoop. He snuck on board, kind of shadowed Casey, thought he'd get him at the right time. But unfortunately, this all hell breaks loose. Yeah, he couldn't get him at the restaurant he works at that he was at just earlier. No, the problem is that Casey won't talk to him because they, their magazine did a review of, of, the, of the cuisine and they gave him just a mediocre review. They said his food was like a little bit bland. It's like, it, and that, yeah. Yeah. It, and, Ry, and Ryback don't like that. Like, you know? Yeah. Uh, Patriot proof. Yeah, exactly. So, so anyway, this guy teams up with Casey. Uh, they're they're cutting swaths for these bad guys, and uh, Casey kills one of the bad guys. And and then my character says, "Well, I mean, could use a little more assault." And he starts to <laughs> feed, feed on the bad guy, and then they, they come to blows because it brings back Casey, you know, the memories of this bad review. Yeah, you know. So there's like a little subplot playing out of you know casey's you know trying to make his his actual gig respectable right he's got a magazine that's probably honestly jealous of the, his culinary skills mm-hmm. and so that's that's i guess that's be my character dakota rents r-i-n-t-s in case you <laughs> thought it was something else nice then he has some pepper spray and goes thank you thank you for <laughs> that condiment his food how do you, do you imagine do you ever think about how casey's food would taste i do it's a, assumed assumed i know it's, 
they say assumptions the what is mother it? of all fuck ups. But I assume that his food is quite good. Well, apparently, I mean, I think it'd be funny if his food was he way overrated, mm-hmm. right? People are like getting COVID intentionally so they don't have to taste it. You know, they're like what if what if Ryback brings out the his he's working in the kitchen for hours and he brings the food out to the table on a tray and he's got like the napkin over his arm. He's presenting the meal and it's just cheese that's over rice. <laughs> <laughs> homemade cheese it's though and they're crunching away crunch crunch crazy like, god and they're like man you should just try boiling this rice next time <laughs> um <laughs> the cheese it's are soft but the rice is hard they're al dente they're al dente cheese it's that would be a great name for his sidekick by the way what? al dente <laughs> <laughs> It would be great. Okay, so you have been given the financing to do your own Under Siege 2 Dark Territory related product. The papers have been drawn up. It's your turn. I do a, a tie-in, a clue tie-in. You move the, the the game clue. Right. And I'd put a character from this. I'd put a it would be it would be a bonus, a bonus suspect. So you get Colonel Mustard, Miss Scarlet, Professor What Plum. are some of the other names? Professor Plum, Professor Plum. and Peter Green. And in this version, in the Dark Territory version, he's always the murderer. <laughs> He's just always in that envelope, yeah. and you just have to guess the murder weapon and the room. And so, and it's very easy because they say that they give you a clue, like the killer used like a lead pipe, and you could see the reflection of their fucking beautiful eyes in that pipe. Yeah, and maybe there could be a maybe they can also have a instead of one of the weapons, we can lose one of the weapons, um, like the candelabra or the you know the candlestick or the. Um, which one would you lose? The rope? There's the rope candle, the lead pipe, like you said, revolver. Let's get rid of the revolver and just be a just a pair of tits. <laughs> <laughs> Death by? I think it was. I, I think it was Peter Green in the conservatory with the pair of tits. <laughs> you think or you know? Uh, so I, I'm going to go along a similar route. I have a theme park that's biblical. It's called Ark Territory. <laughs> Yes, and it has these delightful rides all over the mm-hmm. place. Um, you know, they'll have like Noah's, you know, teacup ride, and you know, what's his name? What's the old guy's name? Not Nebuchadnezzar. What's the old dude's name? Methuselah. Methuselah right, know. Methuselah, like Methuselah's flume. You know, shit like that. And you you take your family, then you have a wonderful time. You learn a little bit about scripture. You get some action. You know, you get thrown through the wild at a fast pace. That's what rides do. <laughs> but yeah. Monkey Ranch, there's a gremlin on the on the lot, Uh-oh. and there's a, a lookalike in a ponytail who will cold cock your kids at random times. <laughs> and then on the loudspeaker, Charlie has entered dark territory. You know, right? Yeah, or maybe call it D apostrophe arc D arc territory. Dark territory. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. You think you know? Would there be animals? Probably, because right? yeah. do you think Seagal's an animal lover? Did you look? Did you Google that? I, I would bet he loves animals to death. You think so? Yeah, I think he's he overcompensates for his lack of human compassion with a love of animals. I wonder if he forgets the kind of guy that forgets to feed the fish. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it slips his mind right. on purpose. Maybe starves his fish to punish them. Get my flakes out of that bottle! Don't forget to take my flakes out of that bottle. Kind of good. Kind of sounds like him. A little uh, bit. I'm I'm trying to talk through a freezer. Yeah. Um. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> get my pie, my pies out of the callback. Right, yeah, of it's course. a Ryback. Um, <laughs> all right, so the movie's credits have rolled, and damn it, fuck. There's a stinger at the end. A little piece of shit waiting for you, man. Mine's easy. Arlington Cemetery. We see that same shot, but from the back. They're they're facing away from us at the grave. Ryback and the besweatered Kathleen Heigl. We hear like a little snickering sound, like a little, <laughs> like a really, like a sneaky laugh. And it is uh, Seagal's brother. It's Ryback's brother. He faked his death. He's like, now she's your problem. He's like, he faked everything. Yeah, he probably even threw a bone to Bogosian to say, hey, maybe you want to fuck up, you know? Right. And and Seagal and his sad daughter, they go away, and this guy has a clean life. What about Seagal? You think he has any siblings? Does he have brothers and sisters? I'm sure he does. Jesus. Because if you fuck and he comes out, you're going to try again. (laughs) So I... I so camera whip pan it just like you know we saw brenda back brenda backy yeah flung to her death from the choo-choo and the camera whips to the creek Mm -hmm. and you just you hear like a splash you see her body actually go in Mm -hmm. that's not the end good the end of the credits you see a little water spirit cradling her (laughs) and breathing breath into her knocked out body yeah and bringing her um back to life and she underwater mouth the words thank you you know thank you mm-hmm. and then the guy said the the spirit says you live here now forever in the creek you live with me uh, actually it says we only eat the living mm-hmm. so we had to revive you oh no 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 he just breathes but she does leave that she's like they're not gonna eat her they're just brought her they want they're they're collecting um train thrown victims <laughs> Breathing them back to life and adding them to their underwater, what do they call it? Kingdom? Yeah. Okay, that's good. Is she a sprite now or is she still in her military garb? (sighs) That's the problem. She doesn't know what she is. Actually, I think they just threw a trench coat around her because she was in the nude when they found her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just like one of those, she's got a look of confusion on her. It's like the end of The Graduate. Mm. You know, they, it's just her sitting next to that water sprite underwater, like the end of the graduate. Yeah, there's a confused look on their face. Right, they don't want to do next. Right, that's so yeah. funny that um, that character, that creature that you're speaking of, in a in a strange twist of Zoom fate, it is a product and the main ingredient of that product. Yeah, yeah. what do you mean? <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean Lyman's in there too, but mostly water. Right, there's right. a twist of Lyman, but Sprite and its main ingredient. I don't understand this joke, but twist of Lyman? It's a twist of fate that uh, you would name a creature that is also the name of a product and its main ingredient. I Did I say Sprite? You always make fun of me for saying Sprite. Is that not a mis- mystical creature? Uh, it totally is. Yeah. No, when you, you said a Sprite was in heaven last time or like an angel or something like that. A sprite is a, per- a water Sprite is a, is, a, is a true thing. Did I say spirit? And then it, switch to sprite? Yeah, but Sprite's correct. I mean, that's what you would call such a creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless it's a narf. Anyway, she's ensconced in a watery hell. <laughs> <laughs> I, she could, I would like to think, rather be dead. I would like to think that she is alive, but her body is in the same condition that when it crashed into the shallow rocks. Right. So I'm going to keep that in my mind. So she's fucked up. She's all bent out. She looks like mm-hmm. you know Zelda from Pet Cemetery, but she's alive. I like her. I, I wish I didn't like that she got killed in this. Yeah, I was hoping that she'd be, she'd be a bad guy. And said she was a golden heart. Yeah. Speaking of sprites, uh, they tend to frequent islands. 
And lo and behold, in the middle of the sea, your island resides, where you've collected various debris from films over the years. And it is now the time for you to take something from undersea to dark territory. What would you bring to that old that little mystery place? Well, I, w- I was thinking about taking this, but I don't know if I'm going to. Bogosian is working a keyboard in this movie that is very dirty. Did you notice it's a dusty-ass, dirty keyboard? Did you notice yeah. that? That's a gross-looking keyboard. Have you ever given oh. anybody the dirty keyboard before? That CD is looking promising. <laughs> you got nothing to play it on, but yeah. sun's heat and turn it into a fire, right? I would take Steven Seagal's bag of holding. That just gigantic backpack right. that he has that, that he has packed for months. I mean, it is. Uh, you guys, if you watch this movie, if the listeners watch this movie, which they can do on HBO Max. That's right. And the first one. I just When he's in the train station, it's Seagal. They did put Seagal on a train station in this. That was that was a decision that the, the producers made. Yeah. Seagal on a train station. They, they also had McGill in the train station. And for a short while, yeah. it was Penn Station. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's got this gigantic backpack. And, and, you know, who knows what's in there? You know, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Mystery backpack. It's got his dress whites probably in there. I'm assuming he's got, got a few kimonos, maybe eight. <laughs> Um, uh, puka shell necklace, definitely. Probably his knife, his culinary knives. Yeah, half a roll of lifesavers. What else do you think he's got in there? Uh, probably a, a, a dog eared Game Boy, like a battered Game Boy, maybe an autographed picture of Steven Seagal to Casey Ryback. Yeah, which is confusing. Yeah, uh, the captain's death mask, <laughs> Gary Busey's ripped up contract. <laughs> Taxidermy dog. His pubes in a in a in a small case. <laughs> Keeps him. He's got a pube case. I mean, who doesn't? It's pink. Right. Yeah, of course. It's got a pink plastic pube case. <laughs> well, that's how he that's how it's his signature, right? That's how he finishes each dish. He sprinkles his pubic hair <laughs> each dish. That's a callback to an old joke of yours. <laughs> like the maybe the first show we ever uh, did. Waterworld. Yeah, but he's got a lot of stuff in there. I mean, if if you think of anything else, Nick, please text me tonight what might be in there. But you can go now. <laughs> Talking about how worse for the wear that keyboard is, and it, it kind of got my mind racing. It's like things don't have to be in perfect shape to be worth keeping. Like I've clung to furniture way too long. I had a pillow that I, as a child, that I I, I it had become just tatters, and I had to had to keep it. So I'm I'm cool. I'm gonna. I think the same applies to Brenda Backey's form. Um. <laughs> having been dashed on the rocks. Uh, I'm keeping mm-hmm. it. I'm keeping it. Bro- this is troubling. Broken, but not forgotten, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I've... Uh, Did she broke her back here? <laughs> it, it has been uh, dragged in a burlap sack up the hillside, <laughs> and it has been positioned awkwardly against uh, a place that gets a lot of sun, and I just... I'll gaze into it. I'm gave it to mm. it from time to time. Um, it's one of the perks of the island. Gaze into it, huh? <laughs> yep. Just stare into it. One of the perks of your island? <laughs> Is that what you just said? Yeah. Like if they were to make a brochure, it would be bullet pointed as fuck. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. uh, a, a clean water, uh, great views. Uh, shattered uh, military contractors, you know. Speaking of people's ears burning, I hope hers are. <laughs> uh, 
pinch yourself. The movie microscopes talking about your shattered form from under siege <laughs> to being on a desert island to be gazed into <laughs> as it's baking in the sun. Are we keeping track of our erections on this show? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.